Honor. Technology. We're so glad you're with us today. If you're a guest, my name is Jared Ming, I'm the lead pastor. It's an exciting weekend. We've had so many people get baptized already in this service. Next service, we have double that amount getting baptized. It's going to be awesome. Today, I want to talk to you on a theme called Honorology. Honorology. Everybody say that with me. Honorology. We're really going to talk about honor. We're going to talk about what that means. And I actually preached this message three or four weeks ago on a Saturday night. And as I was thinking about this weekend, I really felt led that I needed to share this message with the rest of our church family on Sunday. So I'm bringing it to you today. And uh, I, even though I preached it for and last night I preached a separate sermon, something different. And uh, it was called The Secret to Contentment. And if you want to hear that one, you can go online this week and that'll be up where you can watch that as well. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Esther chapter 4. We're going to jump into verse 8. As you're turning there, a lot of times I like to start with something funny. And so I heard a story about a guy who was going through an intersection, and it happened to be one of those intersection, uh, intersections that are monitored by cameras. And if you, you know, go through the stoplight or you go too fast, it'll flash and take your picture, and a week later you'll get a ticket in the mail. Anybody seen those? Anybody received one? Okay, all right. So he was at the intersection, and he started to go through the intersection. He was going slowly because he wanted to make sure he wasn't breaking the law. Well, as he gets through the intersection, he sees that camera flash. He's like, what? That can't be. So a little frustrated, he goes and turns around and goes back through the intersection again. This time he goes through slowly, even slower than before. Once again, the camera flashes and takes his picture. He's like, no, something's wrong. They can't send me a ticket. So just out of spite... He went back through that intersection three more times. And every time, he waved and smiled at the camera. And a week later, he got five tickets for not wearing a seatbelt. Just want you to know. Some of, you, some of you are saying, what does that have to do with anything? Well, here's what it has to do with. You ready? You better buckle up because God's got something he wants to say to you today. You ready? Amen. I want to talk to you today on the theme honor. And I want to tell you a story from the book of Esther. I want to give you kind of a, the cliff notes of the book of Esther. There was a king who divorced his wife. And his advisors came up with this cool concept of how he could find a replacement as queen, a new wife. And they developed a show called The Bachelor. And so they got all of the, the eligible young women to come to this house, and they were prepared, and each one of them went on a date with the king, and at the end, once he dated them all, they had the finale, and he said, will you accept this rose? And one of them became the queen. The one who won that season of The Bachelor was a woman by the name of Esther, she was a young lady who had been orphaned as a child. Her, her older cousin had taken her in and become her stepfather, had adopted her. And she listened to her father, and she was of Jewish descent. He said, don't tell anyone you're of Jewish descent. And so she honored her dad through that process. And she eventually is selected the new queen. Throughout the story, there's different characters. Not only her father, Mordecai, but there's a villain. His name is Haman. 
and he hates the Jewish people because he hates Mordecai. Mordecai wouldn't bow to him when he would come before him, and he was a high-ranking officer. And so he came up with a law, convinced the king through bribery, paying him a lot of money, told the king that there was this group of people that were never going to submit to his rulership as king. And so they came up with a law to kill on a certain day, about a year later, all of the Jews in the entire kingdom. And so it's at that point that we pick up on the story. Because Mordecai realizes what's going to happen. So I want you to stand to your feet, if you will, and I want us to read this passage together. Now I'm going to teach you a word. Everybody say, hey, Thatch. I'm telling you that because when we read it, you'll know how to pronounce it. You ready? Esther chapter 4, verse 8. Let's read together. Mordecai gave Hathach a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hathach to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hathach to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. We're going to talk about what happened in this story as a young woman named Esther was incredibly brave. We're going to learn about the power of honor. I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Thank you for all those that are joining us in other parts of the world as well as those that are here. I ask today that you would speak through me that I would decrease, as John the Baptist said, that I would decrease, that Jesus, you would increase in this room. Let your voice be bold, strong. Tear down every stronghold that hinders us from receiving truth. Speak and challenge us today so that we can experience true freedom. God, we love you. Just say this with me. Say, have your way in my life. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. 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 You may be seated today. You see, when Mordecai asked Esther to go to the king and plead for the lives of the Jews, it was a big deal. And here's why it was a big deal. Because you didn't go to the king unless he summoned you. So for her to walk into the court of the king without being summoned, if he didn't raise the scepter and point at her, she would be executed. This was a protocol in the the land of Persia for many, many, many years. And the question that I asked myself when I read this story is, why did Esther do it? Why did Esther sacrifice potentially her life to go to the king so that he wouldn't kill the Jews? Now, I think most of us would probably at the beginning think, well, because she was noble, because she wanted to say save her people. But as I began to look through the story, I discovered something, and I discovered why she did it. Because there was a principle that guided her life, and you will see it throughout. It's it's like a tapestry weaved throughout this story of a principle of life that Esther lived. I want to go in the book of Esther to Esther chapter 2, verse 20, and it gives us a little insight into why Esther did what she did. It says in Esther 2.20, it says, Esther continued to keep her family background and nationality a secret. Now leave that up. Remember, Mordecai had told her, don't tell anyone that you're a Jew. And so throughout her life, growing up, she never told anyone. And even when she went on The Bachelor and all the girls were sitting around the room and the cameras were there and they were you know, trying to get him to talk and everything, she never let it slip. 
She kept it a secret, and it says this. She was still following Mordecai's directions just as she did when she lived in his home. In other words, what this verse tells us is that Esther lived a principle, and here's the principle that we see in her life, and that is she was a person of honor. When she knew that the Bible said, honor your father and mother as unto the Lord, she honored her father. When her father said, this is what I'm asking you to do, she honored him. We see it through her life. Uh, We can see it not only with Mordecai, but we see it with the king. I mean, when the king decided, this was a big deal, when the king decided that he was going to do this, you know, all the eligible young women could have left and, and, you know, run to another country. You might say, well, why would they want to do that? They could be queen. Well, what if they weren't queen? What if he didn't choose them? Because here's the way it worked. Every one of those young women would come in and spend a night with the king. And if he chose to not make them queen, then guess what? They became his concubine and were then imprisoned to live in his estate for the rest of their life, maybe never to see him again, never to have a family, never to have a husband, never to have children. And she didn't run, but she chose to honor the edict of the king. Not only that, but remember, if you read the story, how she went to him to ask that she could save her people, she didn't do it in front of his court because he'd already made a law. And to go back on that law made him look bad. He couldn't do it. And so she asked him privately to come to her house for dinner. And it was at that private dinner that she asked him her request. Why did she do that? She did it because she was a person of honor. And as we look through the scripture, we discover she was someone who understood honor. And I just want to tell you, she was brave. And here's kind of the bumper sticker. If you walk away with anything this weekend, here's the bumper sticker for the weekend. It's simply this. You ready? You're brave when you honor. It takes someone who has a heart that is brave to be a person of honor. Now, I'll tell you, in America, we think we know what honor is, but in reality, we really don't. Maybe you're like, well, I open the door for someone who's older than me, one of my elders, when they come up to a house. I'm a person of honor. Do you know what's funny is when you travel to other nations, you know, I'm looking at Rick Sarmiento, and he'll go to China. When you go to China, there are certain things you do. You learn what you need to do to honor the people that you're visiting, how to bow, whether you look at them or you don't look at them, how you shake their hand. When you go to another culture, you often have to learn what it means to demonstrate honor. Do you know if people ask you, if they're coming to America, what do I do to honor people in America? You laugh. Because what what do we say? Well, we don't do that in America. The point I'm trying to make is our culture really here in America doesn't understand the power of honor. And so what I want to do today, I can't unpack an honorology. I can't unpack, in fact, I'd love to do an entire series on this concept. All I can do today is take one story and give you a couple principles that jump out from this story about the power of honor. So you ready to go? Did you buckle your seatbelt? You ready? All right. Here's point number one. What does honor look like? Well, here's the first point. Write this down if you have your notes. Those of you joining us online, write this down. Simply this. You honor when you listen. When we read this story, that's the point. You honor when you listen. I want to I show you this dialogue that took place between Mordecai and his daughter Esther. Mordecai, in Esther chapter 4, verse 13, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. 
Now remember, what happened was is he sent a message to Esther the queen and said, listen, you need to go to the king and ask him to save your people. And then she wrote back to Mordecai and said, if I do that, I could be killed. You realize that he could take my life if I go to the king. He hasn't called for me in over 30 days. So if I show up there, the protocol is if he didn't call me and he doesn't raise his scepter, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to die. And so Mordecai responds to her, and here's what he says. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. You see, you honor when you listen. I was with a group of people a while back and we were kind of having a little conversation and one of their parent, their parents were standing there with them and as their, their parent began to talk, you know, sometimes uh, as our parents get older, especially if they're really up in age, they can kind of go into certain things that may not even be part of the conversation maybe. And so they started talking about something that wasn't really appropriate for what we were talking about. And as soon as they began to talk, the person who I was standing with, you know what they did? They kind of rolled their eyes and went like, like, don't listen to them, Pastor Jared. Now, before you judge them, anybody here ever done that? <laughs> okay, thank you. All of you saints out there, will you pray for me after service? I'd like, I need prayer if you'd help me out. You see, when you read the story, here's what happens. Esther listened to her father. Honor is about listening. Now, let me stop and say, she valued him enough to be willing to hear at least what he had to say. Now, I want to say that sometimes that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to do what they say. It doesn't mean that you don't have a different opinion than what they've said. But the point is, is that you're willing because you value them and their relationship and you honor them that you're willing to listen and hear what they have to say. If you read the story, she pleaded her case. She said, well, wait a minute. If I go in there, I could die. In fact, she says this. She goes, everybody in the kingdom knows that I'll die if I go in there and he doesn't raise a scepter. They know that. They'll understand if I don't do anything. And then what does he do? Well, he comes back and he brings some correction and some context. And he says, listen, you're the queen. You can do whatever you want. And you know what? If you don't do anything, eventually God will some way deliver the Jewish people. A lot of people may die, but eventually God's plan is going to be fulfilled. But could it be, Esther, that you've been put where you are for a reason, for such a time as this? And what happened? She listened. Now, I want to jump into this idea of listening. Because as soon as I said that, some of you are thinking, well, you haven't heard my parents they don't give good advice. Well, I just want to talk to you about the concept of you honor when you listen. Because we're not just talking about parents. We could be talking about a spouse. We could be talking about a boss. 
For those of you kids in school, it could be your mother or father who's sitting in this room. It could be someone in leadership in your life. The question is, are you brave enough to be a person of honor? Because if you honor, you listen. Well, look what it says in Proverbs 13, verse 18. Proverbs 13, verse 18 says, If you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you will be what? Honored. Honored. Let me tell you what the word honor means. In the New Testament, I'm going to read a story to you about Jesus. And here's what the word honor means in the Greek in that story. It means this. The word honor means to value, to respect, to highly esteem, to ascribe worth. To dishonor means this, to treat as common and ordinary. Okay, you got it? So the honor is you esteem this so much that you're willing to listen. On the other side, you devalued it so much that it's just ordinary, it's just common. Let me show you a really cool story in the Bible that gives us some insight into honor and to listening. Go with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 6 verse 4. You all awake today, say amen. I know this is a little bit of a heavy topic, but look at what it says. Jesus has gone to his hometown, right? And as he begins to preach, he's launching his ministry. As he begins to preach, all of the people in his hometown, they start listening. And then they kind of start going, wait a minute, who is this guy? This is Jesus. He's a guy that lives down. Isn't that Mary's son? Didn't he build you a table? Yeah, that table had a little leg shorter than the other one. Did you... Oh, that's just Jesus. He's just one of us. He's just, just one of the kids. Look what it says. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Now look what it says. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. You realize that when he began to talk and they were listening, they really weren't listening because they devalued his words because they had made him common. And so because they had made him common and not honored what he had to say, we read what happens. There's no release of God's favor and there are no miracles. Now, it's hard to work that verse out theologically, and I don't want to do that today, but it says that he couldn't do very many miracles among them. Maybe you're a student here, and maybe when your parents tell you things, you treat what they say as common. You devalue it. That's just my parents. They don't know what they're talking about. Maybe you're, in, you're an adult and it's the same thing. You, you have your parents share something with you. Maybe it's a boss who sits down and talks to you. Maybe it's... And so what happens is, is many times we end up with a common marriage because we haven't learned to listen and honor our spouse. Or maybe we end up with a common, right? Because if you treat it common, there's no... Miracles. In fact, let me just say it this way. Because some of us, immediately when we hear this, we discredit and devalue what someone has to say who's placed in a position of honor in our life because we say, well, you see, you don't understand. They are knuckleheads. Come on, anybody ever worked for a knucklehead? Come on, you had a boss? I don't have to honor a knucklehead. I'm sure if you look in the Greek there somewhere, it says... 
No, let me give you a great quote. You ready? Here's the quote. Listen. Respect is earned. Honor is given. Respect is earned. You see, honor is given. Honor is a choice that you and I have the ability to give to someone who's put in a place or position in our life that we're to honor. It's not about whether they're worth, you know, being honored because respect is earned, but honor is given. What happened with these people that lived in the same town with Jesus is they said, well, listen, Jesus hasn't proved enough. He grew up here, and if he would just have done this, and if he would have, you know, done that, he didn't earn our respect, you know, and so we're not going to give it to him. Listen, respect is earned, but honor is given. I heard the story about a pastor and his wife who were, they were counseling another couple. And as they sat there in the room, the wife began to just basically dishonor her husband in front of the pastor and his wife. And she just kept talking about how horrible he was and all the stuff that he did. And now it may have been true. And so at the end, the pastor's wife felt prompted to say to her, you know, I, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the fact that you've spent this entire session dishonoring your husband. And the woman said, well, if my husband was half the man your husband is, if he was godly like your husband, I would honor him. And then the, wife's, then the pastor's wife said, could it be that the reason my husband is the man he is is because all along I've given him honor? You see, I want to give you another quote because here's the thing we need to understand about honor. Respect is about who they are. Honor is about who you are. Respect is about who they are. Honor is about who you are. I want to read a, a beautiful verse to you in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33. It says, fear of the Lord teaches wisdom and humility precedes honor. You see, you and I, when we love God, we honor because it's God's way. So when we honor, it's saying a lot about who we are. Are we someone that believes God's principles? Are we someone who believes that what God says is true? Or, or do we just do what we find convenient? Now, let me just stop and say there's a lot of people that are in positions of, uh, of honor in our life that haven't earned respect, right? I get it. A lot of people who've done horrible things. But the thing we need to understand is honor isn't about who they are. It's about who we are. Are we reflecting the image and nature of God? And one reason why many times we don't honor, we may open a door, we may send a card on a birthday, we may not talk smack in front of our kids, but we never listen. And it doesn't even mean you have to do what they say, but do you even value them enough to listen? You honor when you listen. Y'all still with me? Hopefully you're honoring me today by listening. <laughs> you haven't turned me off. <laughs> I'll give you point number two. You ready? Point number two. In this story, now I'm talking about the story of Esther because Esther, she honored. She listened. Even though it was hard to hear, she listened. And in her situation, she decided to take his advice Here's the second part that we need to understand about the honor. Because it's not just the what, it's the why. Here's the why. You ready? 
You're blessed when you honor. Point number two. You're blessed when you honor. In fact, I want to say it this way. Blessing flows through honor. I recently heard a story by a a pastor who was talking about this concept. And I want to share it with you. He was saying how that every year he would go to a certain place. He would speak there, do ministry. And at the end of the time that he was there, typically the people who were leading the ministry would invite him over for dinner after the last service. And then at dinner they'd say, now, would you share with us what the Lord might be saying to you concerning us? And he was really kind of dreading the moment at the end of the last service that they were going to do that because he just wasn't feeling like he had anything to give them. So he was kind of hoping to sneak out, but at the end of the last service, before he could sneak out, they said, hey, would you come over to get some dinner? And he's like, okay. So he went. Sure enough, at dinner, they asked him, what do you think the Lord is saying to you for us? And he was about ready to say, I got nothing. (laughs) Anybody ever been there? And he's about ready to say, as he's about ready to say, I got nothing. Suddenly he says, God is moving you from a round table to a rectangular table. And he goes, what did I just say? And he was a little worried about it because he had a feeling they were going to say, what does that mean? And he was about ready to say, I don't know. But he was being prompted by the Spirit, and as they asked the question, what does that mean, he then began to say this. He said, well, you see, the kingdom of God is a rectangular table, not a round table. You see, Luke chapter 14 tells a story about how Jesus invited, said that the the, the guest, the master invited people to the feast, right? And he said, at this table, there were levels of honor. The kingdom of God is a rectangular table with levels of honor, not a round table. And so then they said, well, why would we want to sit at a rectangular table instead of a round table? And he said this, the Holy Spirit prompted him, he said, because at a round table, everyone is equal. And what it means is that you are relegated to only get back what you have worked for. But at a table with levels of honor... God has positioned you so that you don't just get what you work for, but that you are blessed because there's inheritance to be passed down. You're blessed with things that you could have never worked for. Because God is a God of legacy. And what God wants to do is he wants to create an opportunity to bless you with a double portion. Remember Elijah and Elisha? It was because Elisha honored Elijah that he got a double portion. And there's a lot of us who are working hard, sitting at a round table. You see, here's what the round table represents. Because we live in America, we all want to be at the round table because everybody is equal. Nobody is in charge of me. I'm independent. This is a democracy. And so because we sit at that table, we're relegated to the law of sowing and reaping, and we only get back what we sow. But here's what God wants to do is he's a God who wants to bless you with inheritance. And if he can move you from the mentality of a round table to the table of honor where you understand that there are levels of honor and you honor those who've placed in your life, then God not only can bless you with what you work for, he can pass down a legacy of inheritance that you could have never gotten all by yourself. 
I really believe that a lot of the things that have happened in my life, happened in my children, are not because of what I've done. But I believe that a lot of the things that I've been blessed with is because of the inheritance of Bill and and Dave Yancey, my wife's family, and Wayman and Karen Ming. And not just Wayman and Karen Ming, but my grandfather. You see, God wants to bless you above and beyond what you'd ask or think. And the key to him releasing inheritance, what does the Bible say? We go from glory to glory, strength to strength. In fact, did you know the Bible says that Jesus increased in favor? And what did he do? He honored his father throughout his life. And God continued to multiply and bless him. There are things that you can receive and will only receive if you sit at a round table. In other words, there are things that you can only receive from God in the way of blessing and inheritance if you choose to have the courage, the bravery to say, I'm going to be a person of honor. Because there's things that you can only receive through honor. Because blessing flows through honor. And I know what you're thinking. I know many of us. It's this, well, I'm not blessed like... You know, Esther, she had Mordecai. He was a godly man. I'm not blessed like you, Pastor Jared. You had godly parents who served God. I'm not blessed that way. Well, I got to kind of thinking about that. Let's talk about Esther for a minute. She was an orphan. And you know what I found with Esther? Here's what I found. Esther decided that she would honor whoever God placed in her life. That's it. Simple. Because who got placed in her life? Mordecai. He was a godly man. But then who got placed in her life? The king. The king was a knucklehead. He ruined the lives of all the eligible women in the kingdom. He divorced his wife. He created a law to kill a whole group of people. But Esther made a decision. I'm going to live my life with a principle called honor. So that means whoever God puts in my life at the table, I will demonstrate honor. You see, there's a big idea, and it's simply this. When you sow honor, you receive blessing. When you sow honor, you receive honor. In fact, if you look at this passage, this is pretty cool. The whole book is about dishonor and about honor. Because at the very beginning of the book, the king had a big party, right? And all of the nobles of the land came. And his queen, who was a beautiful lady, he wanted them all to see her. So when they got to the party, he said, call the queen and have her come out. And you know what? She wouldn't do it. She dishonored the king in front of everyone. Now watch what happens. Because she chose to be a woman of dishonor, she lost everything. She was divorced. She lost her inheritance. Not only that, her parents, when the queen became queen, her family became rich and influential. Guess what? They lost their power. They lost their influence. She lost everything. All of her inheritance was lost because of dishonor. And then came along a woman who chose to honor. 
And watch the double portion. Watch that God multiplies inheritance. What did she do? She first honored Mordecai. She could have said, I don't want to have to live my life and never tell anybody I'm a Jew. It doesn't make sense, Dad. What are you talking about? Why are you saying I can't tell anybody that? And sometimes when it comes to honor, we don't understand everything. But she chose to honor her father. Even when she became queen, queen, now she could have said, well, dad, I did it all along, but I'm not going to do it now because now I'm the queen. Nothing can touch you now. But she still honored her father. And then the king, she honored the king when she didn't have to. She could have run. She could have, what? She could have said, no, I'm not doing that. But she honored. And what happens? Blessing flows through honor. God didn't just bless her for what she worked for. Watch what happens. She, be, she honors. So what happens? She becomes queen. Then what happens? Her father, now, the the blessings start spilling over. Her father eventually is put in as the prime minister of Persia. Now watch what happens. Not only that, she's able to counteract the devil's plans to destroy the Jewish people. And not just the ones that are trying to kill Mordecai, but the ones that are trying to kill any Jew in the entire kingdom. God was able in one day to wipe out every enemy in the entire kingdom that was trying to hurt God's people. That's a big inheritance. And today the Jewish people celebrate the Feast of Purim to remember. Do you realize that we're talking about Esther today, being blessed by Esther today, the inheritance is still growing and going because one person decided to honor. All of that blessing was dependent on someone having the courage to say, I honor. What's waiting on the other side of your honor? What's waiting? What inheritance? Are you still sitting at the round table? Demanding, we're the same, we're the same. Listen, in the kingdom of God, it's not that way. God has levels of honor. And he puts people in your life because he wants to release inheritance to you. It's God's love. It's God's mercy. It's God's grace. I'm so thankful that I'm receiving things I could have never worked for. There are things that God wants to release into your life, but you'll never see them and you'll never receive them. Until you realize that you honor when you listen. And you realize that blessing flows through honor. I want to end with this today. There's a verse found in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Here's what it says. It says, but now the Lord declares, far be it from me, those who honor me, I will Those who honor me, I will honor. These are the words of God. Sometimes when we're struggling with honor, I went through a season in my life with a particular person that was in a position of authority in my life. Sometimes it was tough to honor. Anybody ever been there? Well, number one, it helps to know that respect is earned, but honor is given, right? And it also helps to know that honor, um, respect is about others. Honor is about us. And what I, began to lo- what I began to learn is that when I honored, I was honoring as unto the Lord. 
And I'm going to tell you today that as you learn the principle of honor, and if you read in the Bible, I don't have a chance to unpack it today, but God talks about us honoring those in positions of authority over us, whether it's parents or civil government or whatever it might be. He talks about honoring one another. It even talks about honoring those who we might feel are in a less fortunate position than we are. But when we do that, we release the blessing of God. I want to share this story with you as the worship team comes. How many baseball fans do we have out there? Any baseball fans? Any Dodger fans? Any Angel fans? Ushers, be careful. There might be a fight in the parking lot. I don't know. Um, we're going to honor the angels too, just because, you know, we have to. Anyway, um, so if you're a baseball fan, you know Babe Ruth, greatest, one of the greatest hitters ever to play the game. The story goes that there were seven bats that he had autographed. Well, as time went on, Six of the bats were, were known, but one was missing, and they couldn't figure out where it was. And as they kind of dug, they found out that this, later on it was revealed, that at one of the home run competitions that they had, as a marketing thing, his manager, Babe Ruth, gave away that first bat to the guy who was at this event. And the guy went home with the bat, and nobody really knew he had it. None of his family knew that he had it. And what happened is he outlived all of his family. And on his deathbed, before he died, the nurse who had taken care of him, he was so moved by the way she took care of him that he decided that, he said, you're the closest person to me, so I want to give you my most valuable possession. And he gave her this bat. Well, she didn't really know anything about baseball. And she didn't really care. But because she wanted to honor the person that had given it to her, she took the bat home and she put it under her bed for 18 years. After 18 years, she found some hard times and was needed to make a change, needed some money, and she really wanted to start a, a restaurant was kind of her dream. And suddenly she remembered that bat and she's like, I wonder if that bat is worth any money. So she got the bat and she took it down to the sports store and said, hey, do you guys think this is worth anything? And the experts took a look at it and they realized that this was the first of the original seven bats that Babe Ruth had signed. So they put it up for auction and in 2006, it sold for $1.3 million. She got her restaurant. And then... She took all the rest of the money and started a foundation to help the kids that Babe Ruth was focused on before he died. And what happened was, is all of the reporters, when they found out what had happened at the, at the press conference, they said, why did you take all that money and, you know, start this foundation for the Babe Ruth thing? Why didn't you use it all? And then she said this. She said, I need to find my place. The only reason that the bat was valuable was because Babe's Ruth name was on it. So the only reasonable thing I could do was to do something that would honor his life because he's the one who made it valuable. 
If you know Jesus, you have a name written on you. And you have value. And the only reasonable thing that you and I could do is to live our life in a way that would honor the one who has made us valuable. And the way that you and I can live our lives in such a way that will demonstrate honor to the Father is to do what he did, is to do what Jesus did. What did Jesus say? Do as I do. And what did he do? He was a person who lived and demonstrated honor. There are blessings, there are promises, there are things that God wants to release into your life that will never come until we learn 